What is going on anyway when you made a pact with yourself to do things differently, but you find yourself in exactly the same mess that you were in two weeks ago? It's a full moon in Aries. The moon is rising right over my back as I'm talking. And I've been feeling this full moon for this whole week, this fullness, not just a fullness, but like a overfull sloshiness. And this time on the podcast, I consider what does this full moon have to offer us? What does the I Ching tell us? How do we get through these two weeks? What can we think about? What will help us understand the challenges that we're facing personally and also politically? Like in the United States, we're looking at the potential for our government to shut down this coming weekend after the full moon. It feels messy. It feels sloshy, like I said before. But before we get into all that, hi, welcome back, or welcome if this is your first time. I'm Anne Headley, and this is my podcast, What Is Going On Anyway? One of my default ways, or maybe it's my favorite way when I'm sort of my worst enemy to invoke shame and dread and doom is to cultivate a strong sense of urgency, like a sense of urgency that doesn't actually make sense according to what's happening really, really in my life. My being late, that's a really good one for me. I can often not be late, but I just do this thing where it's time for me to go and I'll know that it's time for me to go and I'll suddenly be absolutely certain that I have to do five other things that will make me late. I mean, I'm not trying to get you to therapize me. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff behind that. I'm just saying that me feeling late gets me into this frenzied place where I feel terrible and I say awful things to myself inside my head. I've been looking deliberately at my lateness recently in the past five or so years. I'd like to think it's a rebellion from hierarchical systems of oppression. Like, who cares if I'm late? But the truth is, I do care. I, there's something deeper than me uh, being rebellious in some way. It's me not respecting my own time. But the truth is, I hate that feeling of urgency and fear. And it's a very familiar land of driving along and creating reasons and excuses and validations for my lateness. And I often find that if I'm in that place, I'll use lateness as a way to express my overwhelm. Like being a mother, I can just not actually do everything. I think I should do everything. Everything, everywhere is in a constant state of falling apart. 
And I often feel like I'm the glue holding things together. I know I can't quite do it, but I can almost do it. And then my lateness will be evidence that I actually can't do it. Instead of me standing up and saying, I can't, my lateness will be evidence that I can't, I don't want to. And it often comes at the expense of the things that I actually really want to do. I'll be late to like a massage, for example. I haven't done that in a long time, just for the record. I have to stand up for myself. But that's just the kind of thing that I'm trying to explain because I want to say that these, this last week particularly, right in front of this full moon, has felt like that... Let me see if I can describe it this way. And I'm going to tell you this. The hexagram that we got this week with the I Ching is the vessel. So I've really been thinking about that a lot. The vessel. What is the thing that's holding everything? And I've been thinking about this full moon like there's a lot in our vessel. There's a lot in this giant cauldron. And I am feeling full to the brim. I, I really often feel this way with full moons. And I've been noticing this through the year as we go through these moon cycles. It's like, oh, these full moons, they have a feeling to me. And this full moon, sometimes it feels like full, like my buttons are popping. But this full moon feels like full and sloshy. Like I can't keep things from sloshing over the edge. And I've got all the things that I love in my vessel with me. And I also have all of that shame and that guilt and that fear. And I have a whole lot of this um, inner bullying stuff sloshing around with all my favoriteest precious things. So I'm sort of in this place right now where I'm like, I don't know if I can contain all of this. This whole week coming up to this full moon has felt like, oh, I'm carrying around with me a whole lot of inner dialogue that is mean and unhelpful. That's, I, I talk about this a lot, you know, it's not anything new. It's sort of like, who do you think you are? And also you're just ugly and stuff like that, like mean stuff. And I'm not saying that I'm going around saying to myself that I'm ugly all the time, but you know, like I'll catch a glimpse of something and I'm like, ugh. instead of like, Hey, who are you? It's just an overfull sloshiness. And I wake up in the morning feeling that I can't quite contain it. The wisdom that comes through me these days is you don't have to do anything about this. It's okay to be in this place, this feeling of being a vessel where you're holding all of the stuff. Now the new moons often feel more like a clean plate and every time one little thing goes on, it, it's more like a, an arrangement or a design. It's so beautiful. It's a display of that first thing, that clean slate, that newness that I, I love that so much. These full moons are like everything's gone into the big compost vessel and it's not pretty and it's kind of gross and it's just all, I, do I have to say it again? Sloshy. That's a weird word. I keep saying it over and over again, but it's the closest thing to describe how this moon is feeling to me. Now, of course, there's this other little piece here, which is 
there's something to it. And I think if I talk to you about the hexagram, maybe that's going to be helpful. So 50 is the vessel. Um, sometimes it's the cauldron. And the question that comes up here is, what is the vessel for transformation? What are you beginning? What will you cook? So this implies that there is change. The vessel is the container for change. So for me, like if this vessel really is our, our composting container, all that stuff, the delicious stuff, the rotting stuff, all that stuff is going to transform into something else, hopefully good soil. And sometimes, you know, there's like little seeds that don't get composted. They're just kind of hanging out there through that warmth and they wait for the right time to germinate and sprout. The I Ching says, this marks a new beginning. The vessel provides stable, robust foundations for a new life. And also the crucible where you can expect to be transformed and remade. The experiences of life can be blended and transmuted into a meaningful whole. And doesn't that sound nice? That fullness that I'm experiencing right now is the container of all the experiences. And that feeling of urgency that keeps coming through sometimes, that pushes me into thinking something should be other than what it is, that urgency is sort of a way of not accepting that I'm in the process of change. And I think that's this full moon here, that we're not to know what it will produce, just to know that we're inside of that big washing machine vessel, that thing, it's like agitating, it's moving, it's sloshy. It's that feeling that we're kind of rubbing up against some of the yucky stuff that we might not love to rub up against. And a lot of this stuff has to do for me about that kind of inner bullying. So I had a real bully when I was a teenager. I mean, I'm sure that I had different bullies. I remember specifically there were some kids at the local pool and they weren't, they were like grandkids of someone that lived in the neighborhood. So they weren't people that we knew or grew up with because all those folks knew me, but they didn't know me. They just were mean. <laughs> and they pointed at me and they said, bald headed geek, bald headed geek, like over and over. It was like so... I didn't pay much attention to them. I just tried to ignore them inside. I sort of like crumbled up a little bit, but on the outside, I just kept playing with my brother and our friends. And these kids were just repetitive and insistent on pointing out what I already knew. I mean, I didn't really know what a geek was that it was just that I just didn't know, but I knew that I was bald and that wasn't anything new and then my other uh, bully, mine, like I own her <laughs> in my memory, uh, Cheryl Messer. Uh, bullies always have particular names, don't they? I'm going to mess her with you. Anyway, she was an unappealing 
person, short, round, mean, and she would corner me in the bathroom. And I was just terrified of her. (laughs) I just tried to avoid her. I'm not sure what she would do. You know, this wasn't like um, chronic. It was just like, she said something mean to me a few times, something about, you know, pointing out the obvious, you're bald, or why don't you take off your hat, or I don't know what it was, but it terrified me, and I just would do anything I could not to land in the bathroom at the same time with her. But these bullies that show up in our life, right, they're pointing out things that, like, are they helping us know something that we have never thought of before? I remember hearing this retort to bullies, which is like, you know, I have thought of that too. Like, what should we do about it? Like making your bully somehow your ally. I haven't turned that back to my own inner bully, but I'm just trying to say that inner bullies are are so much like outer bullies. They're not that innovative. And they're just pointing out these things that um, aren't helpful (laughs) aren't getting us anywhere, but we can certainly spin circles around feeling, feeling bad. And inner bullies have been coming up lately. That's sort of like that doubt and fear. And like, if you were going to make something of yourself, you would have done it years ago, that kind of stuff. Um, That's actually not helpful. And it's getting me wondering over urgency. We do sort of live in a culture of urgency. And I'm wondering about what it is to be political around not acting out of urgency. Like, what if this podcast is never anything more than just me and you? I'm sitting here talking. You take a moment to listen. You know, Spotify wants me to make it bigger and better and to reach more people and get more sponsors. And I think I should want that. But I'm not given the choice to decide what, I mean, I am given the choice. I, of course I can decide, but there's this mm, leaning towards getting more people, more sponsors. And I think I should want that. Like, of course you want that. Why wouldn't you want that? And then the question is, what is enough and who gets to decide what is enough? How much do I really need? Like, I'm pretty sure my clothing and my furniture that I live with now will last me the rest of my life. I don't need more clothes. I don't need more furniture. But do I want more? I sure do. (laughs) I'm already dreaming of a new couch and a swiveling chair that's like really modern and sleek and a gorgeous bookshelf. I'm full of wanting things. So for me, deciding what is really enough, when and why and how everything is enough in my life is an interesting act of rebellion, of deciding when enough is enough. It's sort of like that slow food movement. It's like the slow fashion movement deciding what is right for me seems like a step toward 
the new kind of world that we're all creating. And I keep talking about this new world that we're creating, that we're building together. But, you know, we're watching this old world fall apart. So creating the new world seems necessary. And it does seem like something that requires thoughtfulness and a deliberate asking what is enough for me? What is enough for my family? What is enough for my community? We can't just keep going with the model of biggering and biggering and biggering. Besides which, who has a container or a vessel big enough to hold all that stuff? I mean, here I am at this full moon begging for some relief for the fullness that I've built over these last two weeks. I need a relief from that. I need a way to start over and fill my plate slowly once again. I've been working on some research for a project that I'm interested in around Greek mythology, Medusa specifically, and I found myself wandering into the public library in Augusta. And growing up, the public library was my oasis. Since my parents weren't able or willing, I don't know why, they didn't have the sex talk with us. The library is how I learned the most about sex in dialogues and romantic novels that I read, some scientific texts like anatomy books and magazines. And there were a couple of, you know, like, Dear God, This is Margaret type books that I learned about sex. I guess I was really interested because it was this subject that I didn't know how to access except for through the library. And the internet makes up for so much of this desire for information. But I was walking around and so surprised at that old thrill of the stacks and then being interrupted by a title or a beautiful font or the color of a book cover and the way subjects overlap and mix and how certain things pop out magically almost like the library itself is an oracle and I will be given the information, the right information at the right time through the medium of the books or the titles that come out at me. I just forgot how much fun that is. I get that in a bookstore too, but there's something about the library where it's not ever a question of, should I buy this book? It's just about me and the books and the information around me. I really love that experience, and it's something that I enjoyed so much as a younger person. So I wandered over to the nonfiction section, and I knew mythology was 398, and I found Charlotte Higgins' Greek Myths, a new retelling, and I also found Earth Care, World Folktales to Talk About. By Margaret Reed MacDonald. I picked up Annie Dillard's Teaching a Stone to Talk and The Anatomy of a Breakthrough by Adam Alter. Now, I don't have time for them all. I'll only flip through them and be a little enlivened or interested in a couple of pages. That treasure of a library, it still thrills me. It makes me feel very rich and I feel just like I did when I was 10 and had a whole lifetime ahead of me. 
And, you know, I've been talking about discernment that came up in the last podcast. And there's something where I know that if I don't make more clear decisions, I will crumble under the weight of all the projects I want to manage. Not all of them are even very exciting, but stuff like, do I prioritize stacking wood over getting some wiring done in the garage? And do I take a course on wiring so that I can do it myself? Do I leave the water in the pool so I can cold dip through October? Or do I take it down now and store it while the weather's still good? Do I start writing grants or do I flush out my ideas more? Am I delusional about what I think I can do? Should I just stop already? Do you hear how these questions start turning into my bully? Why do I think I can do any of the things I want to do? And that is how <laughs> my thinking goes. Will I even be satisfied by my ideas? Or is this only another attempt at seeking the ever-elusive validation that I can't seem to accept as good enough from just myself? You know, perimenopause, this whole menopause arena that I have entered, it isn't actually that much fun. Did anybody tell me it was going to be fun? No. <laughs> but it's like my body is a stranger, and I don't even know what to expect from her. She acts differently. She has a different metabolism. Sometimes she just falls apart and has a tantrum. I can't control her, and some part of me doesn't want to. And maybe this change of life is like the vessel that we're looking at with this moon. And mm, I know this is just one moon cycle, but that feeling seems similar, that this is a time of transformation, and it's not something that any of us can control. We're just here with it. And all of those questions that come through are part of this transformation. I've also been thinking about Lilith lately. This is the Lilith that was the first wife of Adam in the Garden of Eden. And she was also created from earth like Adam. They were equals. And I don't, I mean, we'll hear different versions of this story, but one of the versions is she didn't want to submit to Adam and she was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. One was that she wanted to have sex on top, like she wanted sexual pleasure and she got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. I don't know what, I'm not sure. I mean, you can create the story the way that it best suits you, but basically she wasn't a woman that wanted to be told what to do by a man. And she got kicked out and sort of demonized. And I wonder what part of me right now in my life is also saying, no, no thanks. I don't want to participate in that missionary type situation, not me. I'm going to be here in the Garden of Eden, wild and free. I don't need to play by your rules. Astrologically, you can find where in your chart your black moon Lilith lives. And it's the place where 
the dark side of the moon would exist in your chart. I'm, you know, I'm just talking. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But if you want to find it, it's findable for you so that you can understand that for yourself. But it represents the part of yourself that won't stay quiet. It's untamed energy. It could represent the part of yourself that's demonized and unaccepted by others. I read that by astrologer Stina Garbus. It was somewhere I just looked it up. And I think about that. What part of yourself doesn't want to stay quiet, but also is completely unacceptable? And there's that part of me that's sloshing around, being late and messy and just wanting to sit around and watch TV shows that I keep wanting to push away. And maybe she has something else to say that it's not really about the lateness. It's not really about wasting time. Do you want to know what the TV show is that I'm watching? Everybody in my family knows. I just love watching Love Island UK. And it is just total garbage. It really is. But there's something about it that's like, I just love the fluff of it. I love also seeing these people go straight to the core of their wounding and kind of see how they deal with that. I mean, it's just kind of fascinating um, and, and horrifying too, but it's entertaining. But I will give myself a hard time for all of those things that I think are not productive, that aren't um, getting me where I should be to be bettering and bickering and biggering and bettering and, you know, that productivity thing. So back to the vessel, the sacred vessel, the thing that holds, contains, and transforms this also, though, because it's a vessel, it represents meal with spirits, with ancestors and noble people. And this is curious because I just got the newsletter. You know, it's just an email that I get from Dr. Svoboda. And he reminds us that in 2023, between September 30th and October 14th, is the ancestor fortnight. And it's a time when the veil between our world and the ancestral realm is believed to be at its thinnest, and our ability to contact them and influence them in a benevolent way is the greatest. Um, and so that is also just a curious thing, that the I Ching also is meeting us to let us remember that this is a curious time. The cauldron has roots in Neolithic worship of the dead. It is the ultimate symbol of a sacrifice and ritual meal. So this is from Total I Ching, Stephen Karcher. A symbol for the oracle itself, the change. It's also a part of high culture, a skillfully and magically crafted ritual tool that releases or frees the spirit, nourishing the sage mind, beauty, imagination, the world of myth, and the omen animals. It's synonymous with the dragon of creative energy and transformation, with the act of divination through which the spirits speak, and with the rite at the ancestral temple that calls down the spirits. So I think perhaps 
it's also important for us to realize, and Swoboda also says, this is not a really good time to start anything new in your life. Instead, this is a time to appreciate the old, a humbling reminder of the cyclical nature of life and of the deep-rooted connections that tie generations together, transcending the barriers of time and space. So I wonder too, like, this full moon is big. We're in the cauldron of change, right in the middle of it. And let's call back our dead. Let's look to them, realizing that when we connect with our ancestors and the people that we love that are not here anymore, it gives us this potency of what we have is now. And that seems to be so important to remember. What we have is now. And it gives us a true urgency, not that kind of urgency of you better or else, but the urgency of, oh my goodness, the magic is now, the time is now, the people that I see right in front of me are meant for me. That when I wake up in the morning, the place I find myself is the magic of this moment that everything has meaning, everything has purpose, and it's all an illusion. So that's a lot to contain in that vessel, right? How do we make sense of everything is the magic of the, the now? Oh, I guess what we do, <laughs> you know what we do? We go read the power of now, don't we? good old Eckhart Tolle injection. I just went over and got my Power of Now book and I opened to a random page just for the that joy of the magic of what I was talking about earlier where I'd be at the library and just receive sort of like random information from all the books around me. So I just randomly opened and it says, when there's no way out, there's still always a way through. So again, this is the power of now, Eckhart Tolle. Actually, this is practicing the power of now. I think this is a different book, but that's all right. When there's no way out, there's still always a way through. So don't turn away from the pain. Face it. Feel it fully. Feel it. Don't think about it. Okay, this is my aside. I love to think about it. <laughs> I don't love to feel it, right? So lately I've been like, well, I will make a smoothie and I will have the smoothie instead of feeling the feelings. Or I will watch Love Island instead of feeling the feelings. Or even better, I will intellectualize it and I will figure out why I might be having the feelings rather than feeling the feelings. Express it if necessary, but don't create a script in your mind about it. Give all your attention to the feeling, not to the person, event, or situation that seems to have caused it. Oh, this is very wise. I should have opened this up last week. Don't let the mind use the pain to create a victim identity for yourself out of it. Feeling sorry for yourself 
and telling others your story will keep you stuck in suffering. Since it is impossible to get away from the feeling, the only possibility of change is to move into it. Otherwise, nothing will shift. So welcome to this full moon, this vessel of moving into the fullness of all of the stuff and all of the shit and all of the good stuff too. So give your complete, I'm back to Eckhart now. So give your complete attention to what you feel and refrain from mentally labeling it. As you go into the feeling, be intensely alert. At first, it may seem like a dark and terrifying place. And when the urge to turn away from it comes, observe it, but don't act on it. Keep putting your attention on the pain. Keep feeling the grief, the fear, the dread, the loneliness, whatever it is. Stay alert, stay present. Present with your whole being, with every cell of your body. As you do so, you are bringing a light into this darkness. This is the flame of your consciousness. At this stage, you don't need to be concerned with surrender anymore. It's happened already. How? Full attention is full acceptance. Is surrender. By giving full attention, you use the power of the now, which is the power of your presence. No hidden pocket of resistance can survive in it. Presence removes time. Without time, no suffering, no negativity can survive. Mmm. I didn't know Eckhart Holy was coming in, but I like it. So the vessel, just for our, our, our future thinking, transforms to 56, the traveler, the wanderer. What do you bring with you into each new situation? What does this place ask of you? And I guess this is still asking that question of as we're moving into the new future where we're creating the life that we, that we want, even as simple as sometimes doing the dishes at night creates the new future for the next day for what we are hoping for, that clean slate. And it could be something, you know, other than the dishes, of course, but it's not an esoteric thought, it's actually setting ourselves up from one day to the next to create the future that we hope for and that we long for and that we actually deserve that joy and happiness that we can provide for our own selves day to day. And with that, I feel like we did it. I mean, you know, I feel like I did it. (laughs) I gave myself such a hard time and then all I really needed to do was just give myself the spot, the moment, the, the, is it the true urgency that I finally came up with that the moment is now, this is what I've got, and this is what I have to offer you. I'm feeling really all already this sense of relief around the full moon it hasn't quite reached its peak. I mean, maybe it has by the time you've listened to this, but for me, it hasn't quite yet. So we're right inside of it right now. So I guess what I want to say to you is that if you also feel full, 
and like things are spilling over the edges, I hope for you that it is the vessel of transformation, that maybe this is the way, this agitation is the way that change happens. And it's the way that the transformation that's getting you closer to mm, that sacredness with the now moment that has you really enjoying life, that that is happening for you right now. So may you be well. May all of us be well. May all beings be well. And I will be back hopefully sooner than later with the new hunter's moon and i'm going to grab just a couple of cards here as we go out the door because i want some beauty forgiveness sisterhood brotherhood simplicity remembrance responsibility obedience I don't always love it when I get the obedience one, but I'm thinking about that as a way to think about this time of that thinning of the veil, remembering our dead, our ancestors, and there's a kind of obedience to the natural order of things, which is we have no choice but to take our space in line. We only have so long, and we too will be ancestors one day. And that's really it. Be well, take good care, and bye for now.